The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to the Bird Rights. My name is Preston Ellis, and I'm the host for the new home to all things Pelicans on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Follow us at the Bird Rights and get all the latest on your Pelicans at thebirdrights.com. Welcome to the Bird Calls Podcast. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and we are wrapping up the 76ers matchup. We're going to do a little bit of the Kings, too. And then we're going to preview tonight's battle with Houston. And then we're going to talk about some of the latest articles on thebirdrights.com. We've got a lot of stuff to uh, to talk about, right, Ollie? Absolutely, Preston. It's good times for us. I mean, even though the team hasn't been winning, you know, all, all too impressively. Although, thank God they won last night huh, against the 76ers. I mean, man, I thought after three quarters we were headed to another devastating loss. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. What would you have thought, Kevin, if they would have lost that one? And that would have been tough. Um, definitely needed to beat one of those teams. I, I was surprised, though, I mean, overall, that uh, Gentry decided to rest Rondo against the Kings and not against Philly, you know, considering Western Conference and that, that was a back-to-back kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, that would have been a tough loss. And you guys know you're listening to Ali Cosell. He's the editor-in-chief to thebirdrights.com and his counterpart, Kevin Berrios. You can follow them at Ali Cosell and at Kevin B for Bounce. I definitely want to unpack the Kings game. Uh, before we move on to the 76ers, let's let's just talk about that for about 10 minutes. Some, some questionable decisions, as Kevin was alluding to, including the game time decisions to, one, activate Anthony Davis, resting Rajon Rondo, then the decision to start Ian Clark over Jameer Nelson. It's it's a move that's become pretty common in the NBA. It's not a, uh, unheard of to start a reserve so as not to disrupt the rhythm of pretty well-established lineups. And then there was the, the collapse to Zach Randolph, who had a career-high five three-pointers in addition to his 35 points. Uh, his famous quote at the free-throw line uh, while standing next to Boogie about bullies getting bullied in his hood, and and then Gentry's meltdown during the press conference. Uh, Ali, I'm going to start with you. Zach Lowe said that these are the kind of games that matter come April, and Justin Barrier, who we had on Saturday, said, quote, I thought it was completely ironic that he was complaining about his team not having composure all while not having composure. It's the cruel joke of their season. Ali, talk about some of these decisions and and rate for us just how important that Friday night matchup was. I'm torn, Preston. After the loss, I thought it was really important. Um, we we weren't a team that um, we we should be resting players. You know, I I think Rajon Rondo. It was strictly a rest thing. So they just looked on the schedule, figured, let's choose the Kings game. We've got an upcoming back to back. We're going to need him. And throughout, you know, through the course of the season, he's at that age where I think they really truly do want to monitor his minutes. Every time Gentry's broached on the subject of Rondo and his minutes, he's always talking about trying to rest them just like he does with Tony Allen. So it's almost like he's put him in the same group. So that's a little interesting. But again, you know, after having some time to reflect on it, I honestly don't mind the decisions because let's face it, you, you, this team has got to be able to beat the Kings without, you know, one of their stars. And that, that's Rajon Rondo who, has barely even played when you look at the over amount of minutes that the Pelicans have played on the court this season. 
And who knew that Drew Hawley would go back to looking exactly like he did, you know, through the first 10 games of the season. I thought he had built up some confidence. Um, I would have thought it would have translated because he, he's been playing plenty of minutes without Rondo on the court, and he's been just fine. So, again, I felt like it was just a perfect storm that came together against the Pelicans. Um, and, you know, with with everything that transpired, it, it's hard for me to sit here and fault it was a coaching thing because more than anything, it, it was a player's thing. To me, it was obvious that DeMarcus Cousins decided to have a little bit of a battle almost against his former team, and then it turned into this one-on-one, mano-a-mano with Zach Randolph. Uh, they were talking trash the entire game. I'm glad you mentioned that quote, but they said probably a thousand other words to each other. And and you could see that because, you know, after practice, Alvin Gentry kind of revealed to us that, you know what, I was calling plays for Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis said the same thing. You know, the plays were for me, but I somehow didn't get the ball. So it's not like uh, the coaches weren't trying to do their part or, you know, there wasn't a mandate of execution. The players have simply failed. And honestly, you can look at a couple of guys who were really to blame. And uh, I hate how Boogie seems to get brought up because for he does so many wonderful things. And that's the tough part about being a fan. Real quick, I just want to talk about this. To be a fan of Boogie, you either, it seems like, have to be all for him or all against him on Pelican's Twitter. It, it's so hard to pick a middle ground. That's why I think I was even telling this to Kevin and, and Fish on uh, Twitter the other day. When you want to criticize him for something rightly so, you don't want to come off across as being a hater because there's plenty of those around. But vice versa, you can't compliment him on everything because, let's face it, there's a lot of baggage, a lot of mistakes. There's things that he can correct. So it, it's become this divisive topic, and, and I don't like it. Um, we, we should be able to talk about the players when they've been at fault. And Boogie, during that game, during Sacramento Kings, kind of let down the team. With his play, whether it be the turnovers, his shot selection, um, just the overall poor lack of effort. Then again, that that did, I don't want to say it was all strictly on him, but again, it kind of starts with your best players on the court. So to talk about the Kings game is painful, but I don't want to, I'm not too upset because Preston, throughout the season, we know that teams will lose. Almost any team can lose to anybody else a given night. You're going to have some bad losses. And how you make those up is by having some good wins. So I truly believe things will level out. So this is not one that I'm going to say, oh, the Pelicans, if they could get that one back. Sure, if they miss a game, you know, the playoffs by game or some important seeding by game, it'll be easy to point to it. But that, that's not how these things play out. That's not how these players think. When you've got 55, 56 games on a schedule, you, you just can't think like that. So I'm not about to start. I don't want to go down that road, you know. Kevin, I, I want to touch upon something that Ali uh, just mentioned. One of the things that really uh, uh, stuck out to me was was effort. And he was speaking about DeMarcus Cousins individually, but as, as a team, as a whole, we, we think back to games like the Orlando Magic game and uh, the third quarter against the 76ers, where the 76ers, of course, went on that 40-21 to 21 run before the Pelicans magically scored 44 in the fourth. Is, is effort a problem for the 2017-18 uh, Pelicans, Kevin? I mean, I think there's definitely some consistency problems, and a lot of that is effort. And I think one thing we saw last night in that game, even though even the Philly game, which was a win, is uh, rebounding it was was a nightmare at, to start the game. We're, like Anthony, Anthony Davis in the third quarter only had like three rebounds, and rebounding is very much an effort stat, and that's one that you can see uh, effort. Uh, fluctuating with our team in that way and also you know defense closing out and all of those things and th- that game against Philly we kind of lucked out because we were getting beat up on the board and obviously we weren't playing great defense because um you know look at the score of that game that's such a high scoring game but um so yeah there's definitely been uh times where effort has certainly waned and Kevin, let me just get your your thoughts on this. Uh, I mentioned earlier that Ian Clark got the nod over Jameer Nelson, and that makes a lot of sense for some of the reasons I mentioned, is that you want to keep the lineups intact. When a player goes out, you don't want to necessarily move up one player. You want to leave them where they've gotten comfortable, where their teammates have gotten comfortable. And with that being said, we haven't seen Ian Clark a lot lately. He's struggled in the limited minutes that he's gotten since the first two weeks before we got Rajon Rondo back, and Jameer Nelson just kind of, frankly, took uh, most of Ian Clark's minutes. But he got the start. He scored pretty well. But like Ali said, Drew Holiday went back to the Drew Holiday of old. Uh, Pelicans PR had a really nice tweet today saying that Drew Holiday has a scoring average 7.1 points higher with Rondo in the starting backcourt alongside him. Holiday is averaging 21.2 points per game with Rondo, 14.1 points per game without him. 
What what are your thoughts with Ian Clark getting that start over somebody like Jameer Nelson? Well, first off, my, one of my problems with the whole thing was if you're going to rest Rondo because you have a back-to-back coming up, why not rest him on one of the back-to-back nights? You know, uh, that makes more sense to me. And then also you have an Eastern Conference opponent or you're on the road against a team that is that you're probably, unless something crazy happens, we have no chance of catching in the standings. So I could even justify resting him against Houston. So I didn't really understand resting Rondo against the Kings. That being said, um, I understand putting Ian Clark as the starter because it's not like back in, in the Monty Williams days where, you know, Drew got hurt and then we'd start Austin Rivers over Tyreek Evans and then we'd start Brian Roberts over Tyreek Evans. I mean, it's not like Ian Clark is a good player. He's a, he's a fine player. Um, so I didn't mind him leaping Jameer uh, to start. That That's fine to keep the rotations as they were, to keep as many things as intact as possible. My, But I did have a big problem with the fact that Ian Clark was playing pretty well. And then finally, you know, because he had, like you had said, he had been struggling and he was having a pretty good game. And then he just disappeared. And then Jameer was having the worst game he's had, I think, since he's been here. He was he – was, Pretty, he couldn't hit a shot. His defense was not on point, and he was turning the ball over. And and Ian was playing pretty well, and he never got back on the bench. I mean, that never got off the bench. So I didn't really understand that move. That was that was pretty frustrating for me. Um, so I don't mind the move to start Ian, but I just didn't understand why he disappeared after having a pretty good start while Jameer struggled. Ali, uh, I'm going to do one more question on this game, then we'll move right along to the 76ers. I, I want to talk a little bit about Alvin Gentry's press conference, where where he completely lost composure, as uh, Justin Barrier said. Uh, he had some kind of quote I don't have in front of me of just saying, like, you know, we didn't have the effort. We didn't do what we think we did or what we set out to do. And uh, then ultimately just left the press conference with a lot of uh, reporters left confused. What did, what did you make of that press conference and his reaction to the players' performance on Friday night? You saw a coach who's been in the league for 30 years and who wears these emotions on his sleeves. Everybody knows that about Alvin Gentry. Most of the time, like 90% of the time, he's easygoing, uh, one of the warmest people you'll meet in the business. And he, he truly cares. He knows your name, that type of stuff. But when, when it comes to something like that, he really wants to rant. He really wants to point out names. He, he, he's just an older throwback as to where accountability is a big thing. But, again, we, we're in this day and age where it is a player's league. You cannot throw a player like, say, a DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, even Drew Holiday, under the bus by specifically pointing them out and any kind of, you know, severe negatives, especially when it comes to something like effort, something something that, you know, goes to a player's core. So Gentry was really, you know, he you could tell he was fighting it because I think it was like three or four times he held back from dropping the F-bomb. Um, so that's why he kept on repeating himself because he, he, I think he had to stick to the kind of a script that he had uh, come up with before coming out to talk to reports. Cause if he got off of it, I'm sure he probably would have said a few things or two that he would have regretted. So uh, I personally don't mind it. I mean, I know it's a bad look. I understand all this, but I don't know. I've been on this earth for 43 years. So I understand that people, there's all types of people. And sometimes you just have to let things go, go out of your system. And, you know, I don't know how to put this without it coming across as I'm a fan of what Gentry said and how he handled himself. But again, it, it just doesn't bother me, Preston. I mean, everybody has a bad day at work or say you're a boss and you've got three or four, you know, people below you and they just completely screw up the world's biggest project. I mean, are you supposed to wear a smile? Um, are you supposed to wear, it's almost like a family atmosphere where you have a trust supposedly built up amongst each other. It's like, so it's actually more than like a standard business setting. So no, to answer your question, I honestly didn't think anything of it. Um, I prefer a coach actually show emotion and not show emotion. That's what I felt like we got with Monty a lot of times. Um, there's other coaches in this league where I think fire is a very important part of a locker room. And for our team, honestly, it, it, I'm glad Gentry has some because a lot of the players don't. So if he's got to be the one to kind of say things, get under their skins, um, fire them up, yell at them, behind closed doors, that's fine. If he's then you know, still got that kind of same temperament when he comes to talk to us. I'm not bothered by it because he's not mad at me. He's just mad at the situation. 
And you guys are listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Let's uh, move along here, Kevin. Uh, the Pels won a tight one last last night, as we mentioned, against the, uh, I should say, the Embiidless 76ers, 131 to 124. Also absent were TJ McConnell and Bob Covington. Uh, Drew Holiday was the highlight of this matchup. And how good does it feel to say that again and again, I feel like, this month? He had 34 points, including 19 in the final frame. And he was 5 of 8 from three-point range. Uh boosting up his three-point percentage on the season by 2% just with this game alone. He was helped by 29 from 80 in 40 minutes, who played a, a little bit more than I would have liked. He looked a bit ginger in his extended minutes, uh, so shortly returned from his 80 ductor strain. But uh, I guess we needed every one of those minutes to, to pull ahead of the 76ers. Uh, and Rondo had a breakout performance with uh, 18 assists. The Pelicans shot 57.5% from the floor, 62.5% from three on 24 shots. But after taking an eight-point lead into the third, the 76ers, like I said, erupted for 40 points in the in the third, only to watch the Pelicans score 44 in the fourth, uh, a season high to save the victory. Kevin, let's let's start with you. Um, obviously, we mentioned the the third quarter at where I think the um, sorry the 76ers had 19 offensive rebounds in that quarter alone to go along with 20 second chance points. We mentioned effort. But the Pelicans did uh, explode in the fourth. How encouraging has Drew Holiday's development alongside uh, Rajon Rondo been to you, Kevin? Oh, I mean, it's been incredible. He's night and day, you know. Like, I, I made a, a a Twitter joke, you know. It's like, new Drew, who this, you know. Like, we we never seen this guy before consistently, and we are seeing him consistently as long as he's next to Rondo. Um, so that has just made a huge difference. I mean, we just saw like what happened one game without Rondo and he reverted back to the confused looking lost Drew Holiday that we were getting used to uh, seeing. So there's something about his connection with Rondo and what, what Rondo does for him that uh, that is invaluable. I mean, it makes me look at, like, I don't think, I don't really see the Pelicans making another move. Uh, as far as uh, trades go before the deadline. However, it does uh, make me think about what possibly, you know, if I were to make a move, maybe I, you could send Ian Clark in a first to Orlando for Alfred Payton, who's a similar kind of player as Rondo. Obviously, he doesn't have the same kind of IQ, but he's he's a playmaker, he's a rebounder, he's a defender. And, uh, you know, for when Rondo sits out or as Rondo's relief, maybe that would keep Drew uh, – going long term and also be like a young a young version of Rondo that could be molded under Rondo um for for the future cuz you know obviously Rondo's only here for a one year deal hopefully longer with the way he's playing now but he is getting up in age as well um so i think having that kind of player would be long term next to Drew is obviously the answer uh going forward and uh, i mean it's just it's just really been incredible he's attacking he's hitting he's he used to struggle and catch and shoot now he's a good catch and shoot three point shooter we're seeing him attack in the lane we're seeing him take step back jumpers um it's, he's just a whole new offensive player out there you guys, I almost lost my mind just uh, here while Kevin was talking. I'm sitting in, in my dark closet recording this because the overhead light is too loud to, and the microphone picks it up. And I moved my foot and something rested under my foot and moved. And I almost about lost my mind, but it's just my cat. Uh, <laughs> absolutely horrifying. Um, I am going to buy you a light for your closet because that should never happen. Not to our Preston, no way. Um, Man, this Yeti oh, is super sensitive. It picks up pretty much uh, anything. Uh, sorry, I, I cut off. Kevin, I think, what were you saying? No, I mean, I, I'm, I've finished that point, but I also wanted to say um, I thought last night was like a good opportunity for Pelicans fans to see a guy that I've always I've been championing for a little while now and for Sean Holmes that would, oh, God, if we could have him as the third big, that would be incredible. He's such a, a fun player to watch. So high energy, great rebounder, shot blocker, and he's a pretty good jump shooter. Even though we didn't really see that last night. You know, Kevin, I that's to... all I thought about when I was watching him have highlights last night. When I was sitting up there in media row and talking to both David Grubb and Andrew Smith, I said, "Rashad Holmes, man, he's a favorite of Kevin. Check this guy." And sure enough, he didn't disappoint. I think he grabbed like what was it, five offensive rebounds in a matter of a few minutes. Yeah, he he was all over the court, and that's his fit would be perfect for this team. 
Yeah, Nerland's Noel's getting a lot of DNPs over in Dallas as well. Both of those guys would would fit in very nicely. Um, Ali, let's let's swing it over to you and talk a little bit more 76ers before we move on to the Rockets. Uh, so there was a famous quote that a bunch of the NOLA guys uh, posted last night that Alvin Gentry approached DeMarcus Cousins at the six-minute mark in the fourth, and he said, go on in there and sub Dante out. And as I was watching the game, I remember just thinking, like, what an electric lineup was on the floor it was uh, Rajon Rondo, Drew Holiday, Etwan Moore, Dante Cunningham, and Anthony Davis. And, of course, this is the unit that put up 44 points. And DeMarcus, to his credit, said to Alvin, no, leave, leave these guys out here. You can't mess with this. This is a good thing. It's working. And he, he told Alvin Gentry not once but twice, I'm not going back in. Uh, I want to see these guys roll. And it worked to everybody's benefit. Ali, what, is, what does that say about DeMarcus? And, and talk about that lineup, because honestly, like, I know we don't like to look at these numbers. Uh, positive minus numbers can be very misleading. But in terms of offensive rating and defensive rating, uh, both numbers are DeMarcus Cousins numbers drop by seven points every time he's on the court. Whereas Anthony Davis, when he's on the court, the points go up by eight. So, Ali, talk about the fit of that individual unit and talk about Boogie's uh, response to Alvin Gentry telling him he was not going to reenter the game. Thank you for bringing that up because this is the good part about Boogie that nobody wants to talk about, that he actually does show some intelligence. Actually, I should say plenty of intelligence. He understands what's going on on the court, and he can see that the Pelicans are playing well. So he's going to set aside his own ego, and everybody's been lately talking about, oh, he's only there for the numbers. Well, guess what? If a guy truly just wants his own numbers, he's not going to tell the coach, now I think I'm going to sit this one out for at least a few more minutes when he can be out there getting some stats. So – it totally goes in the face, and that's a beautiful thing because a lot of the haters lately have been saying DeMarcus is out there for himself. He's constantly making bad decisions, blah, blah, blah. So what does Boogie do? <laughs> he decides to say, Coach, everything's going smoothly. Go on without me. That is exactly what you want to see because that's almost DeMarcus saying to Coach, I'm willing to work with the team for what's best for the team. Um, everybody knows that star players, coaches have to tread lightly with. And Boogie definitely is one of those. I mean, I, I forget how many coaches he went through over in Sacramento. Maybe you'll remember better, Kevin. It's at least seven or eight. And there was only one that he seemed to develop a connection with was Mike Malone. So Alvin Gentry has every right to be, you know, walking, treading very carefully around Boogie because that, it, it, it's just the way things are done in the NBA around the, the elite players who um, have a little bit of edge to themselves. So with Boogie stepping out and saying that, I applaud him. Uh, This is yet another great example as to why he's such a huge, huge benefit to this team. I wish people would just give him credit for all these things when I'm obviously not seeing it. It's just not happening. So great quote. I'm glad you brought it up. It it shows the side of the market that is truly just for the team. Um, As for the lineup, though, yet you can't understand how well they performed. Uh, It's kind of not surprising because if you look at the opponent – they were quicker. They were faster. They were missing their true center, Joel Embiid, even though he's he's a fast guy himself. They were forced to play smaller a lot, as you saw Boogie was being guarded by, like, Trevor Brooker, uh, Holmes off the bench, too. So it almost fit for the Pelicans to go a little bit smaller, put AD at the five, and then Dante at the four, um, where we could kind of match their speed, get to those uh, 50-50 balls, and then also have uh, all, the, all the players that were on the court, they were all shooting lights out. They were moving well. Uh, Rondo was able to, you know, basically have his pick of four shooters on the court, and that's kind of what you want. Boogie has become kind of a little bit of a stopper with the ball, and I simply that goes back to him being asked to carry a lot of the offense um, without Rondo. So all this came kind of to light, or I I don't know how to say it. Just in the last, you know, in the last fourth, what was it? They were down – Help me here, guys. They were down, what was it, about nine minutes ago in the game, they were down like seven or eight points, right? And that's when um, uh, Alvin Gentry went from Ashik to that small ball lineup, and that's where they took off. A lot of people have been clamoring for Ashik to get minutes, you know, even last night over Bogey. But you know what? He didn't help either. So small ball lineup, that worked to perfection simply because that that's what the matchup demanded, and the Pelicans took off. And, you know, you've, you've got to basically give credit mostly here to Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo. Rondo was consistently hitting guys, wide open guys, and Drew took it upon himself to, you know, basically go on a scoring explosion. That's something they needed to do, being seven or eight, and, and the momentum was all with Philly. So two positive, huge positives, you know, come out of that 76ers game, the way Boogie handled himself and how the team found something that worked, and they, they rode it. 
and uh, they pulled out a win. Ali, uh, I have to ask you a follow-up question. DeMarcus Cousins left the court with 70% shooting and two of three from three-point range. Are you sure he didn't pull himself out just because his numbers were already so high efficiency-wise? <laughs> Man, why would you ask me that? No way. You know, he's a competitor. So actually, this is an easy one to answer. Forget the numbers. For me, it, it, he's a competitor. I don't want to hear that bullshit numbers argument anymore. Anybody that, that's worth his salt in professional sports has some kind of type A blood. And DeMarcus is nothing but. He, he, he lives for the battle and the competition. So he wanted to be out there. Uh, he just saw the team was flowing. Um, and, and that's it. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give any more credence to these stupid rumors <laughs> or whatever we keep reading on social media. Let's move on, man. I'm not going to call anybody out. Uh, I do have a question for Kevin, and I apologize for this. I, I feel like we don't do it enough. Uh, we don't compliment Anthony Davis. We talk a lot about Boogie. We talk a lot about Drew Holiday. We talk about how Rajon Rondo is going to fit in with all these guys, but we don't talk about a guy who's just, you know, casually averaging 57% from the field, 37% from three, you know, 25 and 11 to go along with uh, 34 minutes per game. The guy is truly astonishing in every game. I, I feel like I'm, I'm watching in awe of the spin moves, just like kissing it off the glass from seeming the free throw line he just takes one step outreaches his arm goes over guys these these fadeaways from the baseline Kevin how how remarkable is it just seeing like not even a healthy Anthony Davis like a 70% Anthony Davis leading this unit to 44 points like he did last night yeah I mean it's incredible I mean um, I think it goes back to sort of what what your dilemma was there it sort of goes back to the conversation we had before the season started where we were talking about uh, the possibility if, if the Pelicans were good enough for uh, us to have an MVP candidate and how we, we, me and Ollie both said that while Anthony Davis will be the best player and most important player on the team, that DeMarcus Cousins would probably get the, get the nod because of his numbers and because of his personality. And we're kind of seeing that now. You're already seeing people saying that, that Boogie's the best big man in the league right now. You know, definitely not here because some of the local media here has some sort of vendetta against him for whatever reason. But on the outside, you're you're seeing that. Um, so I think it it holds true to that. But yeah, being able to see, I mean, you know, I've I've had season tickets for a long time, and I've been going to games since we got the Hornets franchise here. And so to be able to see Anthony Davis grow and develop has been amazing for me. Uh, you know. Uh, as you talked about it with Justin Barrier, too, seeing how his body has changed. I mean, he looks like a totally different player out there, and he's just an incredible dominant force. And right now I have pretty good season tickets. Like I sit in uh, one, 110, row 22, so I'm like behind the bench, lower bowl, kind of high, where I get a good view of the uh, court. Okay. Uh... Go ahead uh, with what you were saying, Kevin. I apologize to our listeners. Uh, I'm going to edit that moment right there. Every time somebody drops off a package at our front door, my my dog acts like the, the roof is on fire and the world is ending and zombies are breaking through our windows and coming to carry me away. And he just takes it upon himself to just squeal as loud as he can. So I apologize if any of that gets picked up on the podcast. Please continue with what you were saying, Kevin. Okay, sure. Yeah, so... Um... So the, the night of the Kings game, I was given tickets where I was sitting like directly behind the bench, the first row that aren't the black chairs on the on the floor. And when you're that down that low, it's not the first time I've, I've sat down there, but when you're down that low and you see those guys playing the game so close, and it, it, it's a totally different experience. In a way, I prefer my regular seats because I can see plays unfold and what's happening better. But when you sit down low, you really get an appreciation for the athleticism, the size, the effort, the energy, and just the emotion out there. Cause you just feel it. Like in that Kings game, uh, in the fourth quarter, I believe it was, uh, Zebo elbowed, uh, DeMarcus Cousins in the mouth underneath the basket. And like, you could, I could feel the impact of that hit. Like it, it's just crazy down there. Um, so being being able to see Anthony Davis up that close, even though that wasn't one of his best games, obviously, against the Kings, he was coming back from that groin injury. He definitely didn't look full full strength. But, uh, man, when you get to see him up close like that and, and for so long that we've had him here, and I just feel fortunate to be able to be in this city and be able to watch that guy play basketball every night. Um, it, it's just unbelievable. He can do everything on the court now. His passing's getting better. His ball handling's better. Is you know he flies out of nowhere to block shots. 
his athleticism is unbelievable. He's huge now. And now he's getting more consistent with that three-point shot. I mean, he's just a joy to watch. And if, if you know, you, I see people complaining on Twitter and saying, like, how can you watch this team? I hate watching this team. I hate having to pull for this team. I don't. I cannot understand that when you can sit there and see one of the greatest players to ever play this game every night play right in front of you. So uh, I just can't relate to that sort of mindset. One of the greatest ever, Kevin says. Uh, I'm going to throw it to you, and I'm glad that uh, Kevin mentioned passing because in the first quarter I fist pumped because something I talked about in the off season was I felt like one of the elements of Anthony Davis's game that was missing was was being a more cunning passer from the block, like fighting those double teams and finding the open man. I almost felt like he almost just threw the ball up over double teams or uh, fell into turnovers. But last night at some point in the first quarter, and I can't remember the specifics of it, he was driving towards the basket. The double team came, and he did the cross-court pass to the open three-point shooter, and uh, it just it just lit my emotions on fire. Uh, but with that being said, he did play 40 minutes last night, and uh, every game matters, as we saw against Sacramento. So we definitely need to walk away with this one, especially against a struggling 76ers. Talk a little bit more about Anthony Davis and what you've seen from him in his two games back. And uh, were, were you nervous about the heavy uh, workload of minutes? Uh, by the way, he is questionable for tonight against Houston. I think everybody was a little bit worried, especially when he started showing signs of uh, some kind, you know, it started bothering him in the same area, that left groin, left abductor region, where he uh, started trying to put his hand there, kind of grimacing. And it seemed like it was right around the start of the fourth quarter that we started noticing that. Yet he continued to play, and obviously um, he used probably in communication with uh, the bench, the, co- the training staff. So I guess there wasn't too big of a concern. Uh, maybe this is just, you know, something you have to play through. We don't know. I don't want to guess. Um, that just leaves the bad things. But as far as Anthony Davis, yeah, I would have liked to have seen him play fewer minutes, and, and that it was for that reason. It was simply because he, he's not 100% yet. Um, I thought throughout the game, he didn't show his maximum athleticism until that fourth quarter where he really started jumping up for those rebounds again. I felt like almost with every single one, you could see him grimace afterwards. So, you know, what is it? I mean, 60% Davis is still probably better than like 75, 80% of the league. So you almost can have him out there as long as you can tolerate the pain. There's no risk for further injury. But I would have liked to see him have fewer minutes. But that's that. I'm glad you brought up that pass. AD seems to have a few of those, and the one you're—I think the one you're referencing was for Darius Miller to end the first quarter, where you know the Pelicans were up, but they finally been—they went up six to close out the first quarter, thanks to Darius Miller making a wide-open shot because of that pass from AD. AD does not get enough recognition. Kind of go back to what you had asked, Kevin. He—he he is definitely one of the top five players in the league, and an argument could be made for even higher. Um, Granted, it would be nice if the Pelicans had the wins to support him, but on an individual basis, what can't Anthony Davis do on the court? He can guard anybody. He can score in any which way. And now he's kind of being able to be that playmaker uh, that we'd never seen before, be able to find uh, the open player, and whether it's across the court. So he's still developing, and he's still becoming, even though he's an efficient, great player, he's becoming even better. Um, I hope people can just, you know, continue to salivate, but understand that these players are rare, that what you're watching, we may never see again in New Orleans. So it's great that you're bringing it up, but it's true that it seems like not enough people are talking about AD on the national level. Uh, I have, I agree with Kevin, I've seen a lot more um, in support of DeMarcus Cousins, simply because he is probably the new flavor who is putting up these outstanding numbers. And uh, it's probably more fun to talk about Rajon Rondo. It's always more fun to talk about the new players and what they're doing than than the good old uh, 20 and 10 guy, I guess. But no, Anthony Davis deserves the most love, without a doubt. He is the heart and soul of this team. There's few better that almost have ever played uh, the game at his position. Right, you guys are listening to the Bird Rise and Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. A bit of breaking news, not really pertaining to the Pelicans, but it is interesting uh, to say the least. Leangelo and LaMelo Ball are in serious discussions to sign professional basketball deals with Lithuanian club, I can't even say this, Prieno Vitatos, uh, that's a guess. Club plans to decide in the next 24 to 48 hours whether to finalize an agreement with the two American teenagers. And this is big because we haven't seen a lot of high schoolers going overseas to play uh, professional basketball. Most of these guys are, are sticking to the one and done rule but 
man, if these guys aren't trying to make money while they can, it seems like, uh, but I wish the best for, for these kids and their, and their outlandish dad. I just want to make sure that he's not throwing them into the professional spotlight too early. I mean, these guys are like, what, 16 and 18 years old. Uh, just to touch on some effort stuff that we were talking about with Kevin earlier, the 76ers out-rebounded the Pelicans 54 to 43, 22 of those being offensive. They also dominated the paint where the Pelicans are second in the league normally. 60 to 44 was the deficit last night. So that was a bit of what we were talking about with the effort falling asleep in the third quarter when the 76ers went on that big 40 to 21 run. And a quote from Alvin Gentry in reference to Anthony Davis's uh, injury. Well, he was in reference to limping, and that's why we took him out of the, at the end of the game, said Gentry. There's no reason to try and have him do something that might keep him out. The minute we saw him doing that, we took him out. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't really help when you're playing this guy 40 uh, minutes. Let's, let's go ahead to the Rockets. We've got a game tonight, Kevin, second night of a back-to-back. Like I said, Anthony is questionable. Tony Allen is out. Uh, he fell to the floor with a knee injury in the first quarter at the six-minute mark last night against the 76ers. So no timetable on when he may be back, but he is out for tonight, so we will not see him. Talk about what kind of chances you think we have against the 20-4 and four Houston Rockets, who have won nine in a row since Chris Paul uh, returned to the lineup, Kevin. Well, I mean, I tweeted it out last night that I didn't think I wouldn't be surprised. I would actually bet money on Anthony Davis not playing tonight. I mean, the way he pulled up gingerly on on that, uh, it looked, you know, I mean, I don't think it's going to be something long-term, but playing back-to-back after playing that heavy minutes rotation against a team that's way ahead of us in the standings on the road on the second night of a back-to-back, that's the time to rest the star. So I, I think we won't see Anthony Davis. And when you don't see Anthony Davis, you know, you're playing with, a you know, something really big tied behind your back there. So, um, it was already going to be a tough game because of the uh, of the uh, the offense that um, Houston runs. If we had Anthony Davis, it would be more interesting of a game because then you have that size to counteract what they have going on to try to you know balance out the kind of game they want to play. And you have Ryan Anderson guarding either Anthony Davis or Demarcus Cousins probably, which is a really bad matchup for them. Um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, Chris Paul and James Harden. Chris Paul is is going to play with them, right, tonight? Uh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you see Chris Paul and James Harden playing together. Um, so that's going to be interesting for us to watch. Unfortunately, I'm not going to get to watch it. I have to I have to be at work, so I'm kind of bummed about that. But um, hopefully I'll catch the rebroadcast when I get home. Um, yeah, but I think it's going to be a very tough when even if we had Anthony Davis, so um, I don't I don't think we we're gonna come out of there with a victory. Ollie, do you give the Pelicans any chance tonight? You know, I'm gonna say I do. I'm gonna be optimistic because I looked up recently their three point shooting of late, and you know what? That's what makes the NBA world go round right now. And the Pelicans are on fire. Uh, they over the last 17 games, Preston, they're shooting at right around 40 percent clip over that. Uh, time period of those 17 games that's better than the golden state warriors houston rockets that's third in the league uh so if you can just get rid of those 10 first initial 10 games of the season the pelicans are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league who would have thought anybody could possibly even say that at any point in the season uh during preseason or training camp so you know what let's say ad doesn't play what if the pelicans come out and and they're blistering you know they're making every shot kind of like, you know, carryover from the fourth quarter against the 76ers. And then the Rockets come out cold. Um, I looked up the Rockets' uh, win-losses and how they performed. And when James Harden, you know, it's shocking, when he has a really bad game, they, that's when they've lost all four of their games. So if it could somehow be as to where the Pelicans get up early and then they put a lot of pressure in and then suddenly the hold, or I should say the rim, and, and the basket gets a lot smaller – for their shooters, and then James Harden just simply doesn't have his night for whatever reason. The Pelicans could steal a win. Now, granted, I would never take that bet in Las Vegas. Uh, that would be a silly, silly bet. The Rockets are the best team in the league. They've got the best record. They're firing on all cylinders, and they have yet to lose a game with Chris Paul in the lineup. So it doesn't look good. But, you know, I'm going to give that little, you know, silver lining, that, that possible, you know, speck a chance that they can win, provided their shooting is there. So that's going to be what I'm going to be watching. They can still, you know, basically flamethrower it for uh, 48 minutes. Then they have actually a decent chance. 
something I, I want to touch on real quick before we move on to the box. Uh, Eric Gordon's been in a slump lately, so I think the the worst possible scenario is that uh, he lights the Smoothie King Center on fire and, and regains his shooting touch in this one. Uh, but like it's I said, Preston, Preston, <laughs> it's away. It's over in Houston. This game. Oh, oh, great. Well, I certainly did okay. my homework today. <laughs> it's going well, you guys. Uh, something I do want to touch on, too, is the rumor mill has LeBron James going to Houston uh, this offseason. Of course, he's not going to comment on it. Nobody's going to comment on it. But hopefully that storyline overshadows this game and Houston uh, falls asleep at the wheel and we're able to get another one before we head back to the Smoothie King Center. And it better be there because I'm supposed to go there against Milwaukee on Wednesday. Uh, Kevin, let's quickly talk about this because we want to get to some bird rights articles uh what kind of chances do you give the pelicans against the bucks on wednesday and against the nuggets in a rematch on friday oh i I think those are two winnable games i think they're going to be two fun games i mean obviously the nuggets are down uh like they were when we played them last time down Millsap and Jokic. so you know that's always an advantage although trey lyles is starting to uh heat up which is another guy that i've always uh sort of liked to um so that'll be uh, interesting to see, but I think I think that's definitely a win for the Pelicans. Uh, the Bucks will be a little bit tougher. Um, you know, they have a very interesting team. I, I it's going to be fun watching AD go against Giannis. Um, I like their team. Knock on wood, uh, buddy. Knock on wood that he can play. <laughs> yeah. What's that? I said knock on wood that he'll play. Oh, Anthony Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I expect them to play in that one. I think if they're going to hold them out, it'll be tonight. Uh, so, yeah, that, I mean, that'll be a, a fun matchup. Um, but, you know, the Bucks do tend to struggle a little bit offensively sometimes. And as we've said, the Pelicans have, have been, you know, pretty pretty good offensively. And uh, I think Ali and I were probably the only two guys in the city who weren't concerned with shooting this offseason. And it looks like that has paid off a little bit. Um, you know, some guys stepping up and then, Darius Miller, you know, uh, being what he was in Europe instead of what he was in New Orleans previously. So that's, uh, I think, I think we're going to go two and zero in that stretch. But I think we do lose tonight. Uh, Milwaukee is fifteen and ten at the moment. They've been playing well. They're five games over five hundred. And uh, like we were discussing, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo, God, uh, is averaging 31 and 10 right now. So uh, he's on fire, had one of the most ferocious dunks of the season the other night. Ali, what kind of chances do you give us in this three-game homestand? You're you're confident about Houston, uh, cautiously optimistic, we should say. But then we've got Milwaukee on Wednesday and Denver on Friday. Those are two pretty important games. Uh, should we go down against Houston tonight? You want to stay above 500. What kind of question are, what kind of chances do you give us against those two? I think I'm with Kevin. I, I really, truly don't see any chance you're going to win tonight, Preston. I was just trying to spread a little hope out there in uh, Pelicans Nation. But, um, no, I, I'm I'm foreseeing a total loss tonight in Houston simply because they, they're playing at a tier on a level that we hope to even sniff sometimes. Um, the Bucks, I'm, I'm with Kevin. I think they do struggle still a lot offensively, even though they've got Chris Middleton, they've added Eric Bledsoe. They still go through lulls, and you know what? Their defense isn't as you know, they don't play as well as, as in the passing lanes, make it hard on the on opponents as they once did under Jason Kidd. So I'm looking that they can definitely be exposed down low. Um, granted, the Pelicans need to go ahead and throw the ball down there. We've got to get A.D. and DeMarcus good touches in there. Uh, but I, I think I foresee a win, even though uh, the Pelicans are going to go be going up against Giannis, who honestly, who, who do you guys think is going to guard him? Uh, you have to imagine it's going to be each one more and Drew Holiday's start, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Dante Cunningham's caught him because his length is incredible. His strength, his aggressiveness. Uh, I know that Drew did kind of a decent job on Ben Simmons that time, but you know what, Giannis, I feel like is on, a, on five levels better than what Ben Simmons is right now. So it's going to take a special effort to slow that guy down from scoring, you know, probably 40 points and getting in the lane for at least 12, 15 attempts. Uh, that's that's going to be the main thing. If they can kind of keep a handle on him, I like their chances. And then the Denver Nuggets has to be a win. They're, they're kind of floundering. They fell apart uh, last night in Indiana where they were up, I think, eight points with three minutes to go. And Victor Oladipo, bless his heart, went off on them, even though we saw him light up the Pelicans. But at least we, we pulled that game out. The Denver Nuggets lost the stunner. Uh, they, they folded where I think. I want to say they were outscored by the Pacers, if you count overtime, 19 straight points for Indiana. 
Uh, that's a tough one to swallow. And if Denver doesn't have Jokic back in the lineup, the Pelicans should be able to walk, you know, basically walk all over Denver. That I mean, they're supposedly trending upwards. If, if AD is able to go and he doesn't miss any time um, and they don't have Jokic back, the Pelicans should, you know, have an easy win against Denver on Friday. So two and one for me. All right, nice. And uh, Milwaukee, we should say, 30th in rebounding. So hopefully having two big guys uh, like DeMarcus and Anthony Davis uh, gives us the the second chance points that we need to beat those guys because those guys are playing well. Uh, Chris Middleton, like uh, Giannis, is is at about 21-7. and seven, So he's playing really well. Uh, let's transition, you guys. Uh, well, quickly, let's, let's talk about Tony Allen. Uh, Kevin, do you see losing Tony Allen for any specific amount of time as, as a drawback for the team? What are your thoughts on him missing time? No, and it, that's not really a knock on Tony Allen. It's just where he's at at his career. You know, he wasn't getting a lot of minutes to begin with, and we have a lot of pieces to plug in right there anyway. And the main thing that he provided was leadership and and um, you know and you know basketball IQ, which he can deliver from the from the uh, bench. So I'm I'm not that concerned about any extended loss of Tony Allen. Okay, let's move on over to thebirdrice.com where we've got a couple of uh, staff-written articles, some roundtable sort of stuff. Before we touch on that, Ollie, I just want to talk about the the, the changing way that the, the Pelicans approach uh, basketball this season. And what I mean by specifically is last season they were 26th in offensive rating, 9th in defensive rating. And this year they're 5th in offensive rating and 28th, just a, a, a total pendulum switch. Uh, their turnovers went from we were fourth best in the league to 27th best, but that also has to do with uh, how many assists we're dishing out this year, still being second behind Golden State. Ali, talk talk about how the dynamic of how the Pelicans play basketball has just completely shifted in just about under 30 games. Yeah, it's incredible, but you know, you kind of we kind of expected it. Um, a lot of us were with DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis, two all-time, or excuse me, all-NBA players coming together on the same team, with their, their offense alone was going to carry this team most nights. And we saw that at the start of the season. Suddenly now, these parts that Dell Demps assembled that everybody gave uh, the Pelicans front office such a hard time um, over the summer are all coming together. They're all paying huge dividends. I love Rajon Rondo signing when it happened because I felt like he filled in a huge need with both not only just being a floor general, but being a stabilizing presence in the locker room, uh, just being a proven winner. And you know what? I feel like that 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 has directly taken a hold of the, our guys. Uh, when he's on the court, it's amazing how much better the, the ball, the team, everybody's functioning. So he's, he's brought that benefit. And then you can mention the uh, shooters. Darius Miller, I don't think anybody in the wildest dreams could have predicted how well he would be able to carry over his success in Europe to uh, here in New Orleans. He, he, he's the best shooter in the league, if you ask me. You give him five, six, seven shots, open shots, you, you almost feel like it, it, it's a given he's going to make at least half of them. And that's really what he's done. Since he's caught his hot streak, I think he's shooting right around 50% from three-point range. And we, we can't uh, – Kevin, we, we, I, I'm shocked you didn't mention him. Each one, you know, each one more has been outstanding in a, in a role-player type of role where he's knocking down every – open jumper you sing, but he's also uh, adding cutting all, all these other um, let's say necessary aspects of this offense Chris Finch offense needs he's providing that so it's it's like we've got a perfect blend press and where Drew Hawley was finally put in the role where he can succeed um, and, and he's able to provide the Pelicans with some kind of um, also defensive presence on the other end of the floor but his main main contributions with the shooting and the cutting uh, same thing with Etoile Moore. You've got all these guys that are basically filling in all these types of roles, whether it be a shooter, a cutter, a ball handler, uh, usually the rebounders. It's hard to talk about us having two great big men who can dominate the glass and the paint, but let's face it, they have this season. Kevin's right, or, or I'm sorry, Preston, I think you mentioned it. It was an anomaly uh, how they performed um, in the paint against Philly where they were, what was it, 60 to 44 you had mentioned, points in yeah. the paint in favor of the opponent. Normally the Pelicans are the one that win that matchup by like 10 or 12 points per game. So they've got every aspect um, covered on the floor, getting to the free throw line with just that this roster. And Chris Finch's offense is working supremely well. Now, of course, the, 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 the rub here is the defense has kind of fallen off a map. Uh, that's where they hung their hat, so to speak, last season, where, you know, that, that was the promise. That was what 
you could say moving forward, we developed um, this blue collar approach by bringing in Solomon Hill, each one more, um, getting rid of kind of these negative presence where they didn't really want to kind of play defense uh, for Alvin Gentry. And Darren Ehrman was able to utilize this versatile switching scheme. Well, we haven't seen it. We've barely seen it this season. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, I'll give you a quick quick couple. Uh, first of all, I think that these guys haven't had enough time together. I think it is really difficult then also to have uh, DeMarcus Cousins AD uh, play small. This was always the key this season. And so far, they haven't done it successfully. If you think back to all the games that have been close or we've lost, it's largely been because of the, the open three-point shooters, and that's really come at the hands of our bigs not getting out to their shooters. DeMarcus has had a real tough time getting out to these guys um, and enough time to basically cause them to miss. Uh, we, we saw it in, in that loss to the Kings where uh, Zach Randolph went off for a career, what was it, five made three-pointers. And I want to say at least, what was it, three or four of them were of the wide open looks. You just can't do that. Even though the guy's not a known three-point shooter, it seems like everybody in this league now can make those shots when they're open. So the, the defense hasn't come together, but I feel like it, it, they're, they're not far away because it truly is a make-or-miss league. At the end of the day, the best you can do defensively is to kind of just dissuade certain shots from certain parts of the floor and just make sure everything's kind of a difficult shot from the prime locations. And um, the Pelicans were kind of making strides where they were defending the rim better. The three-point balls weren't – or they were giving up fewer attempts. But recently we've seen that, you know, lapse back. So roundabout way, the offense has got all of its pieces to make this Chris Finch offense successful. We're seeing it now when, when everybody's healthy. And it's funny, you take out like a piece like Rondo and how that quickly falls apart. Suddenly the uh, Pelicans score 102 points against the lowly defense, defense of the Kings um, when, when, what do we, I think we average about 110 a game, and that's about fifth best in the league right now. So all the components are there for the offense to be successful, and I think that's truly what they're going to have to ride this season to the postseason, uh, to the playoffs, because we can't be sure that the defense will come together. It's going to be huge to get Solomon Hill back. It's going to be huge to get Boogie to get out on shooters more. Same thing with Anthony Davis, to get better on, on the rebounding. And then to have uh, somebody help Drew. Wow. Drew seems like the only competent wing defender still for me. I don't know about you guys, but Ben Simmons had basically no resistance when he was matched up by either Rondo or more. But when Holiday guarded him several times, he did. We need to get – Holiday needs some more help. And with Tony Allen getting hurt, who I think actually is kind of a kind of a key in the interim until at least Solomon Hill gets back, um, they're, they're going to need to find some willing defenders. I feel like Darius Miller is making some kind of – some strides in that area, but that's where I, I can almost see the Pelicans go out and add somebody through the, the uh, trade market where they can find a wing that can come in and help out on uh, on defense because right now it, it's just too easy for opponents, Preston. It's just a couple passes and either somebody's got an open shot or somebody's breaking down their man and uh, getting to the rim. And, and, you know, thank God the Pelicans' offense is clicking because otherwise this, this would be a very, very disappointing uh, discussion we'd be having right now. So I don't know. I don't know if people now feel optimistic or pessimistic after what I just spent five minutes talking about, but I think it's a good thing. Offense has been a concern ever since Alvin Gentry got here. Now they're firing on all cylinders. The defense just, I feel like has to make a few adjustments, maybe get a key player back or two or trade for one and they'll be competent. You just almost have to be in just one or the other uh, facet, just be right around league average. And if they can just get that defense back down to, you know, right around 14th, 15th, 16th, uh, where they're giving up, say, maybe a couple points fewer in games, that's going to be uh, a big, big boon to uh, the win-loss record down the stretch. Now, you were listening to the Bird Rights. Uh, this is on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Uh, I think that's a good thing to mention where we where we lose Tony Allen is specifically is that third quarter we were just uh, mentioning, you know, the, the lapses in effort. And while he doesn't put up a lot of numbers and he – is known to to foul three point shooters as is Etwan Moore. Uh, just having somebody out there run around grabbing those boards so that teams don't get offensive rebounds, like you said. You also did a wonderful job of mentioning uh, our newest article on thebirdrights.com. New Orleans Pelicans potent shooting and Rajon Rondo highlight most pleasing early season developments, and that coinciding with Etwan Moore is averaging forty five percent from three on four shots a game. Darius Miller is at forty six point four percent 
uh, from three. So all these free agent acquisitions paying off. Kevin, I'm so sorry, but Ali took all of your time. We only have five minutes left. So we're going to have to move to our, our final question. Kevin, rate from one to 10 your uh, Pelicans playoff chances at this point in referencing to another article that we have and uh, kind of talk about where the Pelicans are and how confident you are going forward. I'm very confident. I'm trying to remember exactly what I wrote in that piece. I think I think I said nine, right? Uh, it was either eight yes. or nine. Um, uh, I, you know, I'm very confident that this team is going to make the playoffs. The only way I see us not making the playoffs is, you know, a long stretch of injury to either AD or DeMarcus Cousins or possibly Rondo with you see his effect his effect on Holiday. Um, so those are the only things I see is hold, holding us back. You know, you got, you know, a lot of injuries in the lower half of the uh, Western Conference now. Um, you got some teams still struggling to figure things out. And I think, you know, we're starting to click. Like we've been talking about our role players are uh, are on fire. You know, you got Epon, like you talked about the shooting from Epon Moore and Darius Miller. Um, and the other things they're providing as well. You know, Darius is looking better at one-on-one defense. He's, he's actually making some pretty nice passes every game. Anthony Davis uh, is playing great. Cousins is playing great when he's playing great. Um, you know, so I think it's uh, – and, and then, you know, look, we, we may get uh, Solomon Hill back and we may get Frank Jackson back, and those guys might make contributions as well. So um, I think uh, things are looking good for this team going forward. Nice. Uh, and yes, you had a, a nine. Ali had an eight. I had a seven. And Travis was a, the low man with a six. So all you guys who uh, who think we're hating on the Pelicans, make sure you reach out to Travis Tate and give him a hard time. Uh, all right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll be back on Friday or Saturday with a recap of this week's games. And don't forget to retweet rate the podcast and uh thank you as always to our guests ali and kevin i just gave ali uh, a hard time for talking too long and i thought they were gonna laugh but it was you know crickets so i'm sure he's over there stewing right now uh you guys can follow them at ali cosell and at kevin b for bounce uh kevin anything you want to say in closing um I don't like watching Chris Paul and James Harden flop during basketball games. So uh, in a way I'm kind of to miss that tonight, but uh, hopefully uh, we win that game, but I don't see it happening, but I would love to see those two flop all over the floor and not get calls and we win the game. That'd be great. (laughs) Ali, you want to take us out? Sure thing. Kevin, I am so sorry. I talked for about eight minutes, but you know what? Blame Preston because he asked the most, (laughs) Most general question you can ask. Hey, so talk about the offense and talk about the defense and what's going right and what's going wrong. Well, okay. <laughs> no, Preston's awesome. Kevin, you're awesome. I'm looking so forward to Wednesday. Guys, if you missed it, Preston's going to be coming flying in from Orlando to New Orleans, and we're all going to go see that game. Uh, we're going to hang out for a little bit and get to know each other. So we're all looking forward to it. And we'll, I'm we'll tell you all about it on the next pod. I'm going to wear a tie, Ollie. I might even wear a tie clip with it. I'm aware. Yeah, you, 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 go, you go for it, man. I'm going to give you the microphone. You can ask all the questions. Say, hi, I'm Preston Ellis. <laughs> I would never, like, never in a thousand years. I'll be the guy cowering behind you every time a player takes the podium. That'll be me. I'll literally be hiding behind you. If anybody's like, who's that guy back there? I'm just going to tell him you're my dad. I have some gray hair, so that'll work too. (laughs) (laughs) That's my son. He's special. Don't ask him anything. Just let leave him be. Uh, It's what the doctors recommend. Something like that. Um, All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. We're at fifty-five thousand downloads. We appreciate all your help. And as I mentioned, retweet. Pass, pass on the good word. We really appreciate all of this. Hopefully have some special guests coming up for you guys in a couple of weeks as well. And uh, like I said, thanks, Kevin, Ali, uh, two good guys. Love doing this pod. We'll have another coming up in a couple of days. And for now, let's go Pels. Let's, let's upset the Rockets. Why not? Thanks for listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Now, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Bird Rights NBA Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the Bird Rights for all the best coverage on the Pels. And if you really like the show and you want to show us even more love, give us a rating and review on iTunes by searching the Bird Rights. Your support has gotten us up to 45,000 downloads thus far, a spot on Nothing But Net Radio here on the Dash, and a feature on the front page of Blog Talk Radio. Now, we'll be with you guys all season, keeping you up to date on all the latest news on your favorite team. Let's go, pals!
And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life.